Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. This is not just an ordinary Sunday. It's a uh, monumental moment that a young congregation, we're only six years old, uh, finds ourselves at this moment where we're breaking ground and we're, in fact, taking territory. That's exactly what we're doing. And in, in order to use it for what we believe is part of what God uh, has designed and purposed us and given us as a destiny in our community. And a lot of what we're going to do this morning uh, as we exit this building here in just a little bit and go out front for a groundbreaking, there's a lot of that that is done in the natural. There are shovels that will turn dirt. There are, you're seeing the plans of concrete and steel, and we're pushing po- towards uh, the paint and polish. But there are also some very spiritual things that are being set into motion that you need to take into account this morning. Uh, I, I'm not one to really over-spiritualize things uh, a lot of times. I, I like to keep things pretty light most of the time, I think. But I think if we miss the fact that what we're doing this morning is more than just natural, then we've missed the whole point and we've missed a, a, a spiritual reality of what's taking place. And so there's something corporately being set into motion this morning that you're a part of. Uh, most of the mornings on Sunday morning when we come together like this and I talk to you, we talk, I try to at least bring what's taking place or what I sense God is saying down to you into an individual level. And I try to help you make personal application. But this morning, because of the corporate nature of what we're doing and what we're setting into motion, I'm going to talk to you on a corporate level. And I just, I'm expecting you to be mature enough spiritually to be able to make any applications that you need to make individually. But for us this morning, we need to talk to us as a family, as a group, as a body. And so we're going to deal with some corporate things. If, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 17. And I'm going to read to you several portions of Scripture there. Uh, I, I don't know why it's always like this, but on these special days, it seems like God always leads me to the passages of Scriptures with the hardest words ever known to mankind. Um, I guess I could take after my own pastor, my, my pastor growing up, when he would get to hard words, would he would just say, hard name, hard name, hard name, and go on. I'm going to do my best to attempt these this morning, and you'll have to give me grace. Joshua chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. It says, this is the lot that fell to the people of Manasseh, Joseph's firstborn. Gilead and Bashan had already been given to maker Manasseh's firstborn and father of Gilead because he was an outstanding fighter. So the lot that follows went to the rest of the people of Manasseh and their clans, the clans of Abzer, Helek, Azrael, Shechem, Hefer, y'all didn't know that one was in there, didn't you? and Shemitah. These are the male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, by their clans. Then in verse 5, Manasseh's lot came to ten portions, in addition to the land of Gilead and Bashan on the other side of Jordan, because Manasseh's daughters got an inheritance along with the sons. The land of Gilead belonged to the rest of the people of Manasseh. Joshua chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. says, Within Issachar and Asher, Manasseh also held Beth, Shan, Ibliam, and the people of Dor, Endor, Tanakh, and Megiddo, together with all their villages. And the third in the list is uh, Naphoth. 
the people of Manasseh never were able to take over these towns. The Canaanites would not budge. But later when the Israelites got stronger, they put the Canaanites to forced labor. But they never did get rid of them. The people of Joseph spoke to Joshua, Why did you give us just one allotment, one solitary share? There are a lot of us and growing. God has extravagantly blessed us. Joshua responded, Since there are so many of you and you find the hill country of Ephraim too confining, climb into the mountains and clear the ground there for yourself in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephraim. But the people of Joseph said, There's not enough hill country for us, and the Canaanites who live in the plain, both those in Bethshan and its villages and, the valley, and, and in the valley of Jezreel, have iron chariots. Joshua said to the family of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, Yes, there are a lot of you. And you are very strong. One lot is not enough for you. You also get the hill country. It's nothing but trees now, but you will clear the land and make it your own from one end to the other. The powerful Canaanites, even with their iron chariots, won't stand a chance against you. Uh, this, this account in Joshua chapter 17 chronicles Joshua's designation of land to the tribe of Manasseh. Uh, in verse 1, we read that Joshua recognizes basically two things about this tribe of Manasseh. Number one, he recognizes that they are large and therefore they need an extensive portion of land. The second thing that he recognizes about them is that uh, at least some of their descendants, according to what the scripture says, was that they are outstanding or as one version says it, great fighters or soldiers. They have the ability, they, they are skilled in warfare. But then when you fast forward into that same chapter into verse 11 through 17, what we discover is that not only does Joshua recognize that they're large and that they're great fighters, but by verse 11 through 17, he identifies two other characteristics or traits of this same group of people. What he finds out is that first, they were unable to drive out the Canaanites so what happens is, is they approach Joshua and they make a request for additional territory. They make this request using what appears to be a legitimate explanation. They say to him, we are too large. But in fact, this request really has nothing to do with their size. It has everything to do with their fear. Because what they say is, rather than bearing down and driving out the Canaanites, out of fear of their iron chariots, they come to Joshua and they ask for new land. It had nothing to do with the fact that they, they were too big. It had, the fact that the, it had everything to do with the fact that they were scared of the people that they were assigned to drive out. Okay, so that he, he recognizes that. So what they say is, we want a different inheritance. We want a different plot and a portion because we want to avoid the danger of battle. Well, there was a second thing he identified, and, and that is, is that uh, apparently this tribe didn't like hard work because uh, Joshua, in fact, does listen to the request, and he says to them, you're right, you are large, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to award you a new section of land to, in addition to what I've already given you. I'm going to give you the hill country as well. And the tribe immediately begins to complain because they say the, uh, the, the additional space isn't enough. But Joshua apparently has this ability to see through their sob story and he recognizes that they are simply making excuses. 
And so he stops them mid-wine and says that the new land he is giving them will be plenty of room once they get to, to busy and doing the hard work of clearing and removing all the trees on the property. He says to them, if you'd quit whining and go get your saws and get your chainsaw started and cut down all the trees, then there will be plenty of room for you. Quit whining about the trees. He recognized they didn't like hard work. Verse 1, oh, by the way, I guess I can make some personal application here. God doesn't like whining. Just thought I'd throw that in there. You can apply that wherever. Just apply that to your kids. I know that doesn't have nothing to do with you. Just apply that to your kids and you'll be all right. See, verse 1 is a great day. The tribe catches a glimpse of an incredible promise. You will take all of this territory and it will become your inheritance and you will move in and you will be victorious. But by verse 11, they realize that seeing the promise and taking the promise are two different things. Can I just tell you this morning that this is a great day? This morning we catch a glimpse of what awaits us and yet at the same time we must also recognize that there is difficulty that comes along with this presentation of what we are going to be. At the same moment that you catch a glimpse of that, you must also wrestle through the fact that there are difficult days ahead as well. See, receiving a promise is the easy part. Watching a fly-through video created on a computer is the easy part. Actually seeing that promise come to fulfillment and possessing that promise is the part that requires diligent and hard work. See, you need to understand this morning that taking territory is hard and treacherous work. But it will require us, listen to me carefully, I think this is a prophetic statement for us this morning, is that it will require us as a body to operate at a faith level that we have never operated before at that kind of level. We have operated in faith. We've stepped out and begun a work here. We've stepped out and moved here. We've stepped out and reached people. We've stepped out and done outreach. We've stepped out in benevolence. We've stepped out in every way possible. But this will require us as a body, as a corporate group, to step up to a new level of faith. If we are going to become all that God has destined us to become, this is just the first step of faith, but it's a significant step of faith. This is not a safe move. I just need you to understand that this morning. I need you to recognize this morning that the groundbreaking that we are going to participate in in just a few moments is not a safe move. In the economic climate that we find ourselves in, this makes no sense economically, but it makes all sense spiritually. We believe that this is a God move. And yet, Annie Dillard wrote that she finds that most churches like to be safe. In fact, she says this, she says, why do we people in churches seem like cheerful, brainless tourists on a package tour of the absolute? She said, we call this place of worship a sanctuary, which means that it is a safe place to be. We love safety. And because of this love, most of us never actually put our faith to the test. We have a sanitized, sterilized, wimpy faith. See, I, I need you to understand what is taking place this morning. We are breaking more than ground. Hear me this morning. If you don't catch anything else I say, you need to hear this. I'm trying to prepare you for what's coming in the coming days. We are breaking more than ground. We are, in fact, breaking the peace. That's what we're doing. 
The moment the first shovel goes into the ground this morning, at that moment, peace is broken. At that moment, we put our enemy on notice that we are serious about becoming all that God has called us to become. And at that moment, the peace is broken. And at that moment, we open ourselves up for an attack. See, this move puts us at war. This move as part of this body, you need to understand that at that very moment, when the shovel goes into the dirt, it puts our entire body at war against our enemy. So what does that mean? It means as part of this body, you will experience the blessings that we experience as a body, which we all like. But it also means that you will become targeted as part of this body. As part of this body, each and every person here will bear the blessing, will bear the attack, and bear the responsibility of what we are about to do. Just trying to help you understand where we're going. This can be scary work. But if we bow to fear at this level, we will never be trusted at a higher level. There will be days where excuses will be easier to embrace than execution. We will find reasons to stop. We will be presented with reasons to pull back. We will be tempted to excuse ourselves into evasion and to relaxation. And this will happen corporately, but it will also happen to you individually. Let me see if, see if I can help you this morning. Our, our team's already battled some temptation to pull back corporately, but we've said we're not going to do it. We're going to keep pressing forward even when it makes no sense because we believe God is in this thing. But, but at the same moment that that is happening corporate, corporately, I can hear some of the excuses that the enemy will try to convince you of to get you to pull back individually like this one. Now, all they care about is buildings and money. That's all they really care about. That's what that church cares about. That's all they really care about is buildings. They just care. I can't give. I already give all I can give. All those new people, man, they don't love me anymore. They just care about those new folks. I'm just old. I'm just old. I I I just been around since the beginning. I've been around two years. So so they don't love me anymore. They just care about the new. They don't even talk to me anymore. They they don't really care what I'm going through. All they want to do is help those those new folks. They don't know nothing about those new folks. They. I'm just trying to help you. You know what those are? Those are excuses. Those are Manasseh-style excuses that when it looks like the territory is too tough to take, the enemy will provide for us excuses to get us to pull back. We can't pull back right now. Now is not a moment to, 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 to pull back and pull, pull the reins. we got to press forward into what God has for our inheritances at stake. See, we must be willing to roll up our sleeves and work. Now, i got some good news. We're not asking you to go get your hammers and your saws. All the work on this little bit of expansion is going to be done by professionals. And everybody that helped gut Northwest Expressway and everybody that worked themselves to death on this piece of property, would you please say, Amen. I don't want to lay another piece of tile in this building or any other building as long as I live. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to swing a hammer. I like my thumbs just the way they are. I don't want to use a saw. I'm tired of all that. Thank God we got a company that can come in and do this for us. So I'm happy about that. But rest assured, there's still work to be done that only we can do. In fact, I want to tell you very quickly this morning that there are three types of work that we are going to be called to and that we cannot back down from if we are going to secure the promise that God has made. Three simple things. Number one, we've got to sacrifice. This is what I know. God will provide, and he will do it through you. See, I got all the claps when we said we're going to have to use no hammers, but but when I said, okay, okay. See, I, see I, 
I am calling you to the work of sacrifice. This is going to be a sacrifice. We must learn to sacrifice individually for the greater good. It was going to be a sacrifice for the tribe of Manasseh to be able to go out and secure this new territory. The members of that tribe, not just the entire tribe as a whole, but all the way down to individual households, were going to have to make sacrifices. They were going to have to do some hard work. They were going to have to give some things. And I'm just telling you this morning that if we are going to see all that God wants to, to, to do out here, and not just out there, that's just the first step of all that God has for us and I just want you to understand that for that to be accomplished we are all going to have to do a little bit of work and sacrifice see we're going to have to be able to give and so uh, I am a strong believer I, I how many of you have ever been in part of one of those capital campaigns yeah a few of us I hate them absolutely hate them it's when a church stands up and says, okay, we need you to make pledge. They hire these companies to come in, and they do this big presentation. And over the next three to five years, we want you to pledge a certain amount all each month. And we're going to remind you about it every Sunday. And we're going to stand up and twist your arms every Sunday. And it's going to become the focal point of our church. And that's all we're going to talk about. I hate that because you'll understand here in a moment why I hate it because it's not all just about building. So, so I've, I've said to my, the, the finance team, we're not doing that. It's not interesting. So we're going to try a different approach, but it's going to require sacrifice. What we're going to do is at Easter in 2014, we're going to take up a seed offering. And so what I'm asking you to do is between now and Easter, I need you to begin to work towards, sacrifice towards, pray about what God would have you to sacrifice towards that seed offering. We have to come up with a pretty significant chunk of change, and I'll tell you about that after the first year, and I'll explain the seed offering more. But I need you to begin to pray about what you're going to give. What If it doesn't cost you anything, it's not a sacrifice. What are you going to sacrifice? Maybe it's a week's wage. Maybe it's it's a bonus. Maybe it's your tax return. Maybe I don't know what God's going to say to you, but corporately we all got to come to a place where it hits us into an individual level, and we're not going to carry this thing out in six years or three years we're going to do it in one lump sum and get it over with and move on to what else God has for us but we are going to have to sacrifice the second thing we've got to do is we've got to pray that's the work we've got to do because the Bible teaches us very clearly that unless the Lord builds we build and we labor in vain I'm not interested in building a building so our names can go on it nobody's name is going on this building other than passion kids uh, it's not going to say the, the fabulous house of Steve Ely. This is not my legacy. I don't want it to be my legacy. It's not going to have your name on it either. We're not putting up a plaque because this is not about us. This is about what God wants to do. And so we have got to pray because we recognize that God has to build this thing. This foray into the promise of what God has for us must be bathed and covered in prayer. Uh, if I ask you this morning, how much do you pray for passion? What would your answer be? For some of you, your answer would be embarrassing. Because all you do is show up. For others of you, if I say, how much do you pray for passion? It would be a, sig a significant amount. And you could stand up and say, man, I pray for passion all day long, every day of the week. But what I'm asking this morning is whether you don't pray for passion at all or whether you pray for passion constantly. It doesn't matter to me where you fall in that mix. I'm asking you to take it up a notch. 
I'm asking you to raise your level of prayer and increase your covering of this body as we take on the opening up this new territory because this step, hear me clearly, this step is simply a forerunner to everything that God has for us and it is essential that this first step is covered completely and totally in prayer because how you start something determines how you finish. And I want us to make sure that we start correctly so that when the end, if we are going to be able to say as we finish this thing that we're relying on God, that when the day is done, when God is finished with us and we've constructed everything and done every type of outreach there is to do and reached everybody that God has for us to reach, and we can say on that day we have relied totally on God. If we're going to say that on that day, then it is necessary for us to say on this day that we have got this thing started and bathed and the foundation is prayer. So I'm calling you to the work of prayer put it on your calendar at 810 every morning and 810 every night to take a passion pause and pray with us and pray over God and say God please uh, cover a passion and what all we're doing okay why because our enemy will not go quietly we got to pray too much is at stake for us not to pray so that's the first bit of work. We've got to sacrifice and we've got to pray. Giving must happen. Prayer must be the foundation. But the, the, there's a third piece of work that if we forget or fail in this third area, we have not only wasted our efforts and resources, we have missed the entire point. It is this third area of work that helps us remain focused on the purpose and not on the package. I've been part of building plans. I've been part of building construction projects at church and what I recognize is that if you're not careful your focus becomes totally about the building and then when the building is over there's nothing left to do and you sit down and go Phew, we're done now listen let me tell you the third thing I need you to work on I need you to feel what God builds we've got see here's what I know church buildings don't change the world if church buildings change the world how many of you know the world would have been changed a long time before passion got on the scene? There are church buildings everywhere, and some of them are a lot nicer than ours will ever be. Y'all just staring at me. Uh, see, let me, let me just tell you this morning that church buildings may be awesome. They may be houses of God. They may be gates of heaven. But by themselves, they don't win people to Jesus. <clears throat> they don't nurture souls to maturity. They don't change the world. Church buildings are meant to be the basis from which the people of God reach out and do that. We reach out from church buildings and change the world. Church buildings are meant to be places of life. They're, pla they're places of living. They're pa places of breathing and growing. They should be exciting places. Church buildings are meant to be centers of ministry, places of, of assembly. They're supposed to be where people gather to worship God, and to hear the good news, to celebrate the meaning of life, to become transformed, and then we're supposed to burst forth out of here back into the world to share the life and transform the lives of those around us. Church buildings are buildings that are meant to lead. So the goal is not to make more room for us so that we can have our space and relax. We must work to fill this place to capacity. See, the tribes had to 
to possess and fill the land. The purpose that we're doing, the reason that we're talking about spending the kind of money and the effort and, and, and the, the work and, and the, the stress of doing what we're doing is very simply this, to make us more welcoming and inviting to our community. The purpose is to make it possible to better minister to children. The purpose is to win souls, period. That's it. That's it. That's the only reason we're doing this. It's not so that you can be more convenient when you drive in and there's an easier way to get into the building. I'm sorry. I'm glad that you will, will be able to get into the building more easily. And I'm glad we'll have some pretty flowers out there. But that's not why we're doing this. We are doing this so that people will come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus and that we will be able to get them in here and encourage them and allow them to encounter God and equip them and release them to engage their culture. Any, why? Because any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. I wish that was mine. That's Oswald Smith. He, he, he says that. He says, if you're not involved in the Great Commission, you should be, be having services. See, Mark 2 declares that it was broadcast that Jesus was in the house. It was broadcast that Jesus was in the house. So if we build buildings and people are driving by and they go, wow, they're building cool buildings. Beautiful. Glad they're doing that. Man, they're making it prettier than it used to be. big whooping deal who cares let them drive by the Devon Energy Tower and be in awe because we can't compare to that so it's not about the building it's about broadcasting who's in the who are you telling on a weekly daily basis that Jesus is attending Passion Church he is right I hope so, because I hope you're bringing him with you, every, with you every time you get. Jesus is in this house, and if Jesus is in the house, that means that people can be set free, and that people that means addictions can be broken, and that means relationships can be restored, and that means provision can be found, and that means healing can take place, and that means that that's the best news that we can tell people all week long is not, hey, Passion Church is building the new entryway so you can get in easier, and we got a place for your kids. No, what we should be broadcasting and letting them know, because if we don't tell them, all they're going to think is we're building buildings know what we need to be telling them is hey you know why we're building buildings because Jesus is showing up every Sunday morning in our worship services and on Wednesday night when the young people are here Jesus walks in the door we've got to fill the house so that people can be filled y'all missed that I, I, I want to say we must fill this house so that those in the house can be filled we, we want to do what we're doing, and we believe God has said to do this so that we can make room for the people that God wants to send that need Jesus. So in closing this morning, let me just pray a prayer over us that I, I read. I think it's powerful. It's from Desmond Tutu. He, he says this, and I think he speaks directly to where we are. He says this in reflection on the fact that we enjoy safety so much, and like the tribes of Manasseh, we don't like hard work, and we're scared of battle sometimes. And there will be moments when it will be easy to make excuses. Listen to what he says. He says, disturb us, O Lord. When we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too little,
because we've sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, O Lord, when when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the water of life. When we have fallen in love with time, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of heaven to grow dim. Stir us, O Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture into wider seas when storms show. We're losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. Then he closes like this, he says, In the name of him who pushed back the horizons of our hopes and invited the brave to follow, our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So this is a great day. We have a glimpse today, but I need to inform you, and you need to know that we're not just breaking ground, we're breaking the peace. And what that means for us is that not only are shovels going to turn dirt, it also means that there is a battle getting ready to take place, and you need to be ready. And if you're just playing on the fringes, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to disturb you and to stir you. For you to understand that at this moment we are receiving the first steps of our first moments of our inheritance. And that is going to cause the enemy to go on an attack, and you need to be ready to push back. No fear, no excuses. This land is ours for the taking, but we need to recognize and know that the taking won't be easy. And we need to keep our focus on what God has called us to do, which is to sacrifice which is to pray, and which is to feel. And as long as we're doing those three levels of work, God will be faithful to us and see this thing through. I, I call you to arms this morning. As part of the army that God is assembling here, I call you to be alert this morning and understand that it's on, like Donkey Kong. Some of y'all don't even know what that means. It's a... And if you think that you've experienced attacks up to this moment, you need to understand that there are residents in the land that have iron chariots and there will be trees in the way. But Joshua said to them, you are a great people and if you'll get busy, they can't stand before you. And so I just wanted you to understand this morning that, yes, we're going into war, and yes, we're going into battle, but I just want to encourage you this morning that as part of this body, if we'll stay the course, there'll be plenty of room, and God's name will be glorified, and the harvest will be plentiful, and God will come through us and fulfill His purpose in the land. Father, this morning, I pray that as we begin to take these steps of faith, that you would meet us. God, I don't diminish or discount the steps of faith that you've already called us to. There's been some significant things done in this body. The fact that this body continues to reach out at unprecedented levels, reaching thousands of people every year through hot dogs and coats and candy and food. It's unbelievable what you've accomplished through this body in such a short period of time. We've already seen you give us territory. We've already seen you show us favor. But we recognize this morning you're taking us to a new level.
and you're demanding more. With every new season, there is a new demand on our faith. And God, I recognize this morning that this is not an ordinary Sunday. And I recognize that what's taking place is a corporate event, but I also recognize that every corporate event has individual implications. And God, I I know for the folks sitting here, there are going to be moments when they're going to look around and it's going to look scary. Taking territory always is. And I pray that when we face our fears and it's easier to make excuses and it's easier to pull back, I pray that we would remember this morning and we would remember the challenge and we would hear the encouraging words of Joshua say over us, you're a great people. You can do this. They will not be able to stand against you. And so, God, we ask you to disturb us. We ask you to stir us. And, God, I'm praying that you would call this group of individuals under the sound of my voice and those that will be here for second service. I pray that you would call us to sacrifice. We would make a sacrifice for what we believe is you. God, I pray that a prayer covering would rise up out of this house that would put the enemy to flight and it would disrupt the kingdom of darkness around us. I pray that this group of people would be called to prayer. We would be a praying church. And then, Father, I pray that we would fill this place not for our glory and not for our fame, but we would make the name of Jesus known. And we would declare every moment of our day that Jesus is in this house. And we would invite people to come and experience the life-changing, destiny-changing, situation-changing power of your Son. God, help us to remain faithful with that. I pray that we would not get distracted. And I pray that we would not get our attention on a package and we would not become consumed with this building project to the place that when we're complete and when it's finished, we sit down and say we've done all we can do. I come against that spirit in the name of Jesus. I pray that we would keep our eyes on the prize and we would recognize that you've placed us in a community that you want to see transformed for the glory of Christ. God, I ask you to do that in our midst. And I pray that the shared blessings would be abundant. And I ask as folks begin to pray about what their seed will be, God, I pray that you would show yourself mighty in our midst. And Father, we'll be quick to give you all the glory and all the praise because you deserve it. And so, Father, we boldly break the peace this morning to fulfill what you've called us to fulfill in Jesus' name. And everybody said... It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.